Welcome to the Sonic Shaman Show, home of the Coffee Connect and Conscious Connections. The show is dedicated to empowering you to perceive, know, be, and express your unique voice in this world without the fear of judgment of others through healing, coaching, and educational services. In each episode, Hank and his guests offer tools, techniques, and inspiration to help you step into your potency. Now, here is your host, Hank Settela. Good morning, everyone. This is a Coffee Connect and a very special one because today marks 15 years of sobriety. So I thought that it would be a great opportunity to come on and talk about addiction. Now, first thing, I see sometimes people glaze over when they hear about addiction because people don't necessarily identify with being an alcoholic or an addict or some other dependency. But all of us, the entire human race has an addiction. The greatest addiction, and this is from Access Consciousness from the book, Being You, Changing the World, where I, I read this and realized that this is so true. Our greatest addiction is to polarity. Our greatest addiction is to duality. The illusion that we're separate, even though we're one. And both things are true. So even if you don't have an issue with alcohol or don't have an issue with uh, pills or anything like that, all the things that we're going to be talking about today are very relevant. I'm going to share just a little bit of my story, and then we're going to jump into these 12 things that are a metaphysical approach to inner work that no matter what your story is, it will help. It will help take a deep dive in and start to transmute your hucha. And hucha is just a word from the Quechua language of the shamanic tradition I practice that means heavy. Because in truth, if source is all there is all at once, is there good and evil? In the duality, yeah, there is. In the oneality, no, there's not. And if you can look at everything as just, that's interesting, it's all source, it's just expressed different ways. And how could I shift it from something that I don't prefer to show up into my life to something that I do prefer to show up in my life? That's where magic really starts to happen and you really start to create possibility. But to share with you, with especially with drinking, uh, I'm sure maybe with pills too, I just can't speak to that. One of the greatest hindrances is when you're in the thick of it, you don't even know that you're in it. They say it's like disillusionment. And it's like asking a fish, what is water? And how does a fish know what water is? It's everywhere. It doesn't have anything other than water to really compare. It, it doesn't realize it. And when you're in the depths of something like that, it doesn't matter how many people tell you you should do this, you have this issue, you're so in it and you don't think you have the problem that it, it's like it's like talking to a wall. There's not a lot of progress. No, no one could have told me anything. It wasn't until a key moment that things started to shift. And I remember it was March 8th, 2006, the day before my sobriety date of today, where I was drinking my whiskey. I was a whiskey drinker and I went through a lot of whiskey. And to give you an idea of how far down the rabbit hole I went, in the morning, I would even take a shot into the walk-in shower with me. There was like a little shelf there. I'm sure it was meant for soap, but in my addicted brain, I thought, well, that's a perfect place to put a whiskey glass so you can you know, have a little sip while you're taking a shower. So I was really far, but I didn't think I had a problem. Isn't that crazy? Even though I knew I had a problem. So, but what it was is a declaration of will to the universe is what started to shift it. That night, as I started to pass out, I simply said with the entire fiber of my being, God help me. And let's pause for a moment. Let's redefine God. There's so much predisposition, pre-connotation around the word God that a lot of people just go, oh, God, God talk, I'm out. Source is all there is. We label it in many different ways. There's a book by Neil Donald Walsh called Santa's God. And here's the snippet version. This one girl waits up for Santa Claus and she asks Santa, 
which God do you believe in? Which God is the real God? And Santa doesn't know what to do. So he stalls by looking at the collection of Santa Claus figures all around the room. And he starts asking about them. And she's like, well, this one's from Switzerland and this one's from Germany and this one's from uh, Japan. And she's telling all the differences. And he says, well, how do you know which Santa to write your list to? How do you know which Santa is the right one? And she pauses for a moment, thinks about it. And she says, well, they're all you. You just dress how they dress so they recognize you and you say, call me what you like, I don't care. And he leans over and whispers to her, it's the same way with God. So what if it is just source and through the filters of our culture and the filters of all these different things, we start to label it different ways for how we see ourselves in the world so that we can relate to the God that we create. Just food for thought. And maybe that will help people like me who consider themselves a recovering Lutheran to start stepping into spirituality out of religion. Because religion is for people who are afraid of going to hell. Spirituality is for people who have been there. But that night, I simply said, God help me. And it wasn't just like a question. It wasn't, oh, please, God, if you get me out of this, I promise X, Y, and Z. There was like this knowing that it's like do or die moment. And the next day, I had an emotional breakdown at work. I actually was in therapy for a couple of years before that, going for alcohol abuse. I didn't label myself as someone who couldn't safely drink alcohol. I don't like saying I'm an alcoholic because I am is such a powerful statement, right? I am dot, dot, dot. Anything you say after that is a limitation. So and if you look at language itself, my wife is from Germany. She does translations and project management and all kinds of other things. If she were to translate like I am hungry in English to I am hungry in German, she wouldn't say I am. It would be like, I have hunger. So look at the language that we use and how some of the things were like, oh, like I, I am bipolar, for example, one of my guests yesterday, like shifting from that to bipolar is something that I have. One of our guests contributed that so that you're not saying that you are the thing. You're not stepping into the beingness of something that is looked upon as a limitation or a hindrance or anything like that. This is just something that I'm experiencing. And then the question becomes, what could I use this experience for to create possibility and potency in my life? But that was the turning point for me. That decree, it was like it was a cut, it was a declaration of will to the universe. And that's how the universe really responds. It's not like, can I please have more money in my life? It's like, this is what I'm choosing. This is what I'm choosing, universe. Let it show up. And then things show up and you do your own part. So I went to work, had my little breakdown, and then I ended up in intensive outpatient therapy for a period of time. And I got a lot of tools there to start dealing with things. Because one of the reasons that I went down that rabbit hole is I felt alone in the world, but I was aware of everything in the world because I was an empath. And I try to medicate my gift away, which actually makes it worse because you have no regulation at all for the things that are coming in. So a lot of times it's like you, you start to internalize things and you go to the kingdom of me and forget that you're part of the kingdom of we. And that's where the shifts really start to happen. When you stop cutting yourself off from that divine spark within, I have this analogy where it's like you build up these boulders, right? So every time you have anything that the word is a vampire, dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. Oh, John. Thanks for tuning in. Happy 15. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And if you do have questions or comments, uh, feel free to comment. I will do my best to uh, answer those and let the direction, uh, let the direction flow wherever it's going to go. So thank you all for tuning in and everything. So anyhow. I uh, got a lot of tools there, but it wasn't until about one year sober that I actually started doing my work. I actually started diving in and taking care of things. And that's where these little 12 things. Now, this is 
very loosely based on 12 steps. However, I was in a life skill activation workshop with Dick Sutphin, and he is like the grandfather of uh, past life regression hypnotherapy. He used to do therapy sessions for couples and then find that independent from one another, they were remembering the same things uh, from different lifetimes. And then he started playing around with that and really was essential in developing that field. And it was during one of his workshops that I had this inspiration for an acronym. And I'll give the acronym at the end. Don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But this is intended to be a metaphysical approach. One word on uh, the actual big book of AA. It was metaphysically based. Bill W., or I'm sorry, Doctor was it Bill? No, it was Doctor Bob. Doctor Bob was childhood friends with a guy named Raymond Cassidy. Raymond Cassidy went to the Mystery Schools of India, brought back all this information, and founded Rishi's Metaphysical Institute, which is located in Euclid, Ohio, which is in the hometown of Doctor Bob and Bill W. And Bill W. There's a record of him at Lilydale sitting in mediumship development circles, and a lot of the information was channeled. So it's a very metaphysically based book that had an undertone of Christianity over top of it because for the time that's what was needed so at, things like that always remember that you're looking at things through filters you're looking at things through a certain point of view of how you're brought up how you're raised but if you can look at things just for the information that it is you could unlock a whole bunch of greater possibilities because you're not caught up with the judgment of oh this is good this is bad i'm not this i'm not that what's the actual information what can it do for you what can you create a possibility with my dear friend prom love his talks why life sucks of how to overcome the misery of everyday living. And he has a YouTube channel now. He's been doing streams almost every week, amazing material. But at the very beginning of his workshop, he has everybody slam their hand on the on the desk and point their finger at him and saying, Param, you don't know your ass from a hole in the ground. And he does that a couple times. And then he says, you know, the reason I do that is now when I say something you don't agree with, you already know I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground and you can get over it and listen to the next thing I have to say. So look through life like that. You know, you 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 are your own greatest knower and uh, and and everything. And you don't have to take anybody's point of view for face value. You can look at the data and come to your own awarenesses around it, outside of the filters and the limitations and all that. So here's the keys. These are my for my uh, slightly modified for today because this actually came to me about ten years ago, I would think, and I wrote it down in my little journal, and I have not. I hadn't looked at it much since, but then the passion or the, the drive for this particular thing came back and I tweaked a, a few of them. I'm in the process of filming this as a an actual like self-help and it's going to be like a free workshop that it's going to be on Transcendent Minds or, or pay what you like because I really want to get the information out and taking deep dives into these things and then eventually uh, broadening that to have like group classes where I'll, I'll be like a facilitator through this type of thing. But the number one thing is awareness just having the awareness that there's an issue, having the awareness that there's something more that you need to do. And because a lot of times as we drink, as we are into addiction, as we really got caught up with the polarity and the duality and the trauma and the drama of the world, we numb out. We are reacting through life instead of responding through life. And the way to shift out of reaction into responding is to start to notice and to start become aware. Sounds super simple, but how many of you have driven somewhere and you get there and you have no record of the drive and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> so, or, or things like, uh, what did I eat for breakfast today? Or have you gotten up during a commercial or something like that and forgot what you were going to do, or even got back from watching a commercial and can't remember what show you were watching? How much do we check out and how much does this little robot, this autopilot drive? So that is the number one thing. 
Second thing, I already mentioned it a little bit, it's surrender. It's surrendering into the kingdom of we from the kingdom of me to recognize that though we're individual, we are all one. We're in this world together. And when you start to acknowledge the entirety of all that there is, it gives you a lot more tools to start climbing out. And these are not necessarily things that are a hierarchy that have to be done. There's some things that we'll get to that you can put in different orders and different things like that. This is probably the biggest piece. I put it in as identify. And this is incongruency of being in places of judgment. And there's a couple ways you can go about this. You get a piece of paper. And I did this uh, in the, if you parallel this to the step program, this is like making your list. But this is way broader than that, because it's any place where you've held a judgment about yourself or about others. Every place where you've been unloving to yourself or the others. This is all the hoochah. These are all the blocks, the boulders, the bricks that block you off from having a direct connect with the spirit of the universe, a direct connect with source. These are the, the things that need to be broken down and turned into fuel for your possibility. And this is the greatest question to ask. Just where have I ever held judgment about myself or the others? Now it can be tricky because sometimes because of these lenses and these filters, you may have a point of view that you think is just an innocent point of view, but it really is a judgment. And, but we don't recognize it. That's that disillusionment thing. So it's a constant process of being aware and doing like a, a self-check as often as you can to catch yourself when, oh, that is a judgment. Let me look at that. And just the willingness to look at it starts to shift. See, we have a comment just checking in. Good morning, Mike. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you being here. And again, if you have questions, uh, feel free to uh, comment. Now, this one is, the next one is forgiveness. And I put this as oneality and duality for a reason. And the duality, forgiveness is a very effective tool because we have a charge in things and the act of forgiveness helps to take the charge off. But in the space of oneness, is there anything you actually need to be given, be forgiven for? And is there anything you need to forgive for? Because in that place, it's only experience, which you can label it in any way you want. So in the place of pure awareness, the charge, the because it's really self-judgment in a way, or judgment of others that holds that charge. So forgiveness is a tool if you're not to the place where you can really see everything as, hey, this is the golden tapestry. Everything is as it should be. The trauma and the drama, that mess in the back, that is just the pressure that was needed to make these pearls of wisdom that I can share with my fellow man or my fellow person, if we want to be really politically correct. So, but that's the, the forgiveness piece of it. And that's in oneality and duality. The, this tricky one, omit the behavior and the choices that added to the incongruencies. One of my teachers um, in the program gave me this example that if you were at a, a a buffet or a restaurant and you had all these different plates with these different foods and one one was gossiping and one was being dishonest and one was uh, name your character defects then there's a plate for each one if you're still eating off the plate will the waitress ever take it from you so it's really making a conscious choice okay i got myself i created these etheric boulders for these different things what do i do now to stop creating more of these boulders. And that all comes down to choice. It all comes to the things we've already talked about, about building on you being aware of everything, being aware of what you're choosing, starting to respond. Because a lot of those things are from reactionary ego. The ego is edging God out. The ego wants you to pick the worst day of your life over and over again because it knows you survived it. Not necessarily the worst day, but it only functions on past data. And as we move through these, now we're looking into possibility and the ego freaks out. It's like, I don't know what to do with that. I'd rather you choose this. We know it's safe. We know you survived it. Pick this, pick this. But we really are looking for, 
let's step it, start stepping into possibility and getting rid of the be behaviors of reaction and starting to step into the behaviors of responding is huge, huge, huge. Here's the next part, which is sometimes the most uncomfortable, but most the most powerful. We have our list from before of where have I ever been holding judgment for myself or for others. Here is where you would go to the right of that and write down who was affected by that. So what you're identifying metaphysically is all the little cords of energy, all the little connections that are tethering you to other people's energy fields and having this little energetic codependence, if you want to call it that. And once you have that, then there's two ways to deal with it. One is passive transmutation. Passive transmutation is you do Reiki, you do energy work, you do shamanic work, and you shift the energy. You transmute the energy, you cut the cords, and you shift and cultivate it. This is especially effective if you can be in the space of the forgiveness mindset of there's nothing really to forgive. If it's really a big thing, if it's a real big boulder, then sometimes after transmutation is where it is like the super most powerful thing, where you would actually go to the person and say, hey, this is what happened. If I could choose differently today, I certainly would. Is there anything I could do to make it right with you? Or say, I'm sorry, is there anything I can do to make it right with you? That's like addressing it point blank and giving the space for both people to have a healing from it. Very important. Don't expect anything from them. This is all about you cleaning up your side of the street. And that's active transmutation. It can be very uncomfortable, but for certain things, it is so immensely powerful. We would call this an amends in AA. Number seven. Be self first, not selfish. Give to yourself. Absolutely tell the universe you come first. There is a concept in access. It's called tithing to the church of you. And the concept is when you have your paycheck, the very first thing you do is you set some, some money aside to honor you. And you're telling the universe a couple things. One, I'm important. I'm worth it. And I'm honoring me first before these other things. If you pay your bills first, what are you telling the universe is important to you? You're saying the bills are more important. So what does the universe bring you? Perhaps more bills. If you're putting in that tithing to the church of you, that's a whole different thing. And doing things for yourself, getting the healing, getting the massage. It's being self-first, not selfish. And if you do that for yourself, you have a full cup in order to give to others. So that is the give to yourself. Now, as we go along, it's not just like you do the work one time and like a crockpot, set it and forget it. I'm done. Every day in every moment, you just look for places where you get blindsided because we have, it's like a nucleated sphere. It's not an onion. We're not like getting to the core and then we're done. There's all these subtle energy flows that might be from childhood or might be from a past life. If you believe in past lives or something like that, that are feeding into our awareness and it's creating unconsciously things showing up in our lives. And so when we see things showing up that don't make sense for what we're looking to create, the question is, well, where's that coming from? Where have I felt like that before? Where is the original wound that is feeding this coming into my reality? And that's where you take this deep dive and really look at these incongruencies. And as they come up, taking those, shifting them, and moving on. We just got a couple more. Number nine, I put in as victory over victimization, completely stepping out of the victim mindset. Essentially important. Because if you're a victim, life is happening to you instead of through you, and you give away your power as a co-creator. So it's something to be very mindful of. This is something you can do through the whole process, but this is what I have as number nine. And then 10, enlighten yourself by enlightening others. Just to share the story with you, in 2008, I enrolled in a life skills class with Neil Donald Walsh. It was a one-year program. 
And I went in March of 08 and I went to a workshop for him and I was telling him, yeah, I'm joining your life skills class. I'm, you know, looking forward to as soon as I'm done with that, I'm going to start a group because I'll be confident at that point. I'll have it right at that point so I can actually facilitate groups and uh, book discussions and that. And as he's signing the book, he just looks up at me, says, if not you, who? If not now, when? And I came home and I started the group in March of 2008 seven months before I thought I was going to be ready for it. And it's really an idea of it is progress, not perfection. The idea of perfection is this prison. If you're always waiting to have it right and have it perfect before you're willing to express you, you'll never be there because the world is always changing. There's always something else to work on. And so to start showing up in the fastest way to acknowledge that you have something to give is by giving it. So I started that group and I started facilitating those work that, that workshops, but these book discussions on Neil Donald Walsh, and uh, conversations with God and all that. So that is like a huge thing. Whatever you want to create for yourself, look to help another have that. And you're acknowledging you already have it to give. It's one of the big secrets of manifestation. Number 11, mindfulness and meditation. And there's a passage in Neil's book, All of Life Becomes a Meditation, in which you're contemplating the divine. And that's what I'm really saying here is you're working at in every single moment to be in that space of awareness, be in that space of mindfulness and choosing your actions instead of reacting, which is huge. And just that, it already cuts down so much of the hoochah, the trauma and the drama uh, and things that would be showing up. And number 12, evolution, be willing to be the ever-present change because the world is always changing. And if you put all these together, the acronym is As I Forgive Me. And that was the acronym that I got in that life activation workshop, slightly tweaked for today with a, a couple of different word choices. But that is my little recipe of diving in and really doing the inner work and doing a process of transformation and really taking your heaviness, your trauma and the drama of the past and shift, not getting rid of it, but shifting that into fuel for possibility. So that's my, my little uh, addiction contribution for you all. Are there any questions? I saw a lot of people at the beginning and then they dropped off a little bit as we started talking about some of the things. So people hear it when they're ready to hear it. But I'm ex uh, anxious to hear, does this help you? Uh, do you have any questions about it? Would you like to see more videos specifically deep diving, or I should say videos and audios, because this is also available on iTunes and iHeartRadio and all that. And if you're listening on the podcast, you can tune in live. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, you can definitely check that out. Ernie was just contributing. Well said. Thank you, Ernie. And I see Mike is saying good morning. Happy 15. I don't know who was saying that because you were a group, but thank you very much. But they always say you just have today. You know, I don't get caught up on it. In fact, I thought it was 12 years until I counted the other day. And then I'm like, oh, it's going to be 15. The years start to blend and uh, blend together. But last call for questions. If there aren't any, I'll just go ahead and uh, end here. But if there are questions, I'd love to... Uh, contribute back whatever it is that you're looking for. Drinking my coffee. I will never get done with my coffees. Well, I give you an opportunity to ask questions. If you have it, I'll just show you a couple interviews that I have coming up on this channel. So we are going to be having the body, mind, spirit connection with Renee Andreessen. And that's going to be in a, about two weeks. I think a week from Tuesday is when she's going to be on. And then this Thursday, we have a broken can be beautiful with Yolanda. And then we're also going to have uh, overcoming illness with a holistic mindset. 
with uh, Bridget. And then, of course, I have to put up the one for me and Ernie. Ernie just made the comment. We're finally doing it because he has good internet and we connected. We're going to do the Hawaiian healing technique. Ho'oponopono. I, hopefully, I'm trying, Ernie. I, I never can quite pronounce it right, but I do my best. And it's become a running joke when I get it wrong. So, but I don't judge myself for that. But wonderful, guys. Thank you. Oh, Mike says, yes, jump. I don't know what you're talking about, Mike, but thank you for your contribution. So thank you so much. I will probably be back. Um, I'm going to be doing these a little bit more regularly, though I am going to really make an effort to keep them to 15 minutes or less. And then uh, with the interviews, have them a little bit longer. So looking forward to that. Thank you, Ernie. I appreciate that. He said, good job. And until next time, um, thank you so much. Please share this content with people that you feel would benefit from it, especially those who might have, well, you know, I think I'll do a whole separate video on just how do you do it? How do you deal with this stuff? If you have someone like how I was in your life, like, what do you do? Uh, Cause that, that's always like a, a, a huge thing. Like we have a loved one that's in the middle of addiction and it doesn't, it doesn't seem to matter what you try to do to bring them out of it. It just, they, there's just always this resistance. So we could do a whole separate uh, video of, for that coming up, which sounds like a good plan. So I'll make a follow-up to this as a part two. But until then, thank you guys. Looking forward to the next time. Thanks for joining us today for the show. The Sonic Shaman is part of the Emergence of Being Contributor Network. Visit emergenceofbeing.com to learn about all the contributors and learn about our services and upcoming events. Please take a moment to subscribe to the channel. You can contribute to the show by supporting our efforts and sharing our content with those you care about and those who need it most.